Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Welcome to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot, presented by the Kentucky HBPA. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome into our weekly visit here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. I am Louis Rabot at Radio Louis on Twitter. You can find this show at KY Racing Spotlight as well on Twitter. We are presented by our friends over there at the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.com. Check out all of the great things happening on with their organization, membership options, and all the advocacy they're doing for thousands of horse people around the country and especially here in the Commonwealth, KYHBPA.org. We will welcome Fred Cowgill to the show, and then I will wrap up the show talking about both the Risen Star and the Dust Commander. One of those, of course, a Derby Prep down at the fairgrounds, the first 50-pointer. They call it the Championship Series now as part of the Kentucky Derby Points Series, the trail, if you will, to the Kentucky Derby. Of course, the Dust Commander for older horses. We go in two turns up there in Florence as well, 125 in the kitty there. A bunch of horses, I think, that could absolutely upset the apple cart uh, in Florence this weekend. We'll get into all of that at the end of the show. Had a really fun sit-down with Fred just before I recorded this, and just a really fun frankly, a while, about a half hour with Fred about his genesis, his origin in horse racing, uh, getting uh, into the sport in New York, and then, of course, taking a job here, what that meant, being under the Twin Spires, uh, being able to work at Churchill Downs as part of uh, his story, and just a, a really great one. Really appreciate Fred spending as much time as he did with me. Now, we I mentioned the Risen Star because we are getting into that part of the Kentucky Derby scheduling where, look, if a horse wins on Saturday... That's one that they could bubble wrap and, you know, hey, just get him to the starting gate. Just get him to the starting gate. Just get him to the starting gate. And it is the good and the bad part of having a Kentucky Derby point system. Is that the the singular focus of for many of the people in these races is simply a spot in the starting gate. Now, in earlier races, like the Sam F. Davis last weekend, which we warned you on this show, felt like Paco Lopez was going to do something. He went ahead and won the darn thing. <laughs> With no more time. When you see those kinds of races, when you see a gate road come back, run second on the dirt after a ton of time on the turf, you start to wonder, are we starting to see some of these horses come into form? Because I, I'll be very honest on other shows, uh, either Rabo and Co. on 680 or on the Horse Racing Happy Hour podcast, which we do every Thursday, I think I said out loud, boy, I just don't think we've got a real contender in Louisiana this year. I don't think we do. We watch some horses on that path that we'll see Tomorrow, at fairgrounds, in fact. But they're running on the early part of the card. They're not running at the end. So just in the third race tomorrow at fairgrounds, for example, it's an optional claimer. There are six horses 
that have been nominated for the Triple Crown seven in the race. There's a horse running for the second time, Mind Bolt, out of the Brett Calhoun barn. Started on turf, is trying the dirt tomorrow. Uh, son of Audible. Seems like they're trying to figure out if that is a Triple Crown horse or not with that race. But Nash is in that race. Ethan Energy is in that race. Tuscan Sky is in that race. And I think we thought of some of these horses, especially Nash, and especially a horse like Ethan Energy, who were in the LeCompte. And the track fandom just runs them off their feet with very, very slow fractions. I think we started to wonder, especially me in late January, it, how much talent is there at the Louisiana level of a horse like Nash that we really thought a lot of, especially after that maiden run, winning by over 10 lengths at Churchill Downs, highest level of maiden special here in November. We thought that horse was going to win the Gunrunner. Went off as the favorite. Odds on favorite didn't win. Comes back, is the favorite in the Lecompte, finishes second. Behind Track Phantom. Track Phantom obviously running in the Risen Star down there at New Orleans. But a horse came across my screen last week. And I mentioned it to Caitlin Free. And then the horse went out and did the darn thing. And his name is Tennessee. And this is the time of year that either your horse is just starting to round into shape. And I think some of the horses in that third race tomorrow at Fairgrounds, they're hoping... We'll round back into shape, and then they can run them in the Louisiana Derby, a different Derby, whatever it might be. Maybe they bring them up here and run in the Ruby uh, in six weeks at Turfway Park. Frankly, the timing all sets up really, really well for a horse if they wanted to go that route. Maybe it's a Moonlight coming out of that race, for example, who ran in that Remsen behind Doorknock at Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone, of course, running in that 14th race, the Risen Star tomorrow at Fairgrounds. But the horse that I saw was Tennessee. He's in the Brad Cox barn, and he's the son of Justify. And I remember texting Dennis last Saturday after his appearance on the show. Appreciated him jumping on. Hey, Brad Cox got a horse that won its won its maiden race last out going two turns at Turfway. They're trying two turns again in an allowance optional claimer. I think this horse could be on the Ruby Trail, could be on the Bataglia Trail. And then he goes out and he wins. Under Luan Machado. Nice little 44, 45,000 ish check there for that win. Going a mile. And a 16th last weekend. Obviously going to have to stretch out goal mile in an eighth for that Jeff Ruby stakes. But I think at this time of year, you do catch horses that aren't necessarily obviously on the trail yet. And Tennessee's one of those horses, for sure. I think there's another horse, by the way, running at Fairgrounds tomorrow in the, in the Cox Barn who you might see in more serious races moving forward. And that's in race nine. Cornishman is running for the second time ever tomorrow. Ran first time ever as a three-year-old last out on the 20th of January at Fairgrounds. Under Florent Giroux figured it out. You can watch the light go on for this this son of of Curlin. During the race, almost gets up and wins. Behind B-Dancer, B-Dancer will be in the Risen Star. Cornishman will break from the 10, going two turns for the first time. If that horse overcomes that, the outside post having to go two turns for the first time, if he overcomes that, then look out. This could be a horse that's very much on the Derby Trail. Like I said, son of Curlin, that's that Giroux-Cox connection. All they do is win at 40% <laughs> at the fairgrounds. And, of course, second-time starters for Brad Cox, 31%. Sprint around at 27%. Anybody on the dirt for him, 29% winners. Uh, this is what he does. Made special weights, he wins at 30%. This is what Brad Cox does, right? This is the expectation going forward.
But Cornishman, another horse to watch on the undercard tomorrow. Might we see a return to form for a Nash? Could he be the horse under Flavian Pratt that gets up and gets the win in that optional claimer and, and makes us think, okay, maybe he does need to run in the Louisiana Derby. Maybe he needs to come up and run in the Jeff Ruby Stakes here at Turfway Park. Maybe. I'm not sure, but we'll get into that later in the show when we do our handicapping after we talk with our guy, Fred Cowgill. I am Louis Rabot. This is the Kentucky Racing Spotlight presented by the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.org. Go check them out uh, for membership options and all of the great work that they are doing uh, around the country and, of course, around the Commonwealth. On the other end, we'll talk to Fred Cowgill. He's from WLKY here in the Louisville market. We'll talk horses with him. We do it next here on ESPN 680, 105.7. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is... With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome back into the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. I'm Louis Rabot. How about that? At Radio Louis on Twitter, you can find our show at KY Spot, uh, Racing Spotlight as well. Let's get those numbers up. You can find us on Facebook as well on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight Facebook page. It is time for our weekly visit with someone. And that someone this week is a man named Fred Calgill. Uh, you know him from WLKY. I don't know that people know how much of a horse head he is, so I thought I would have him in uh, to do this. He was also very popular on the Horse Racing Happy Hour uh, side of the podcast when we had him on as a guest. Fred, uh, good afternoon. We're recording this ahead of Friday, but we still have past performances for the Risen Star and these kinds of things. Tasty, very tasty. You've been at this for, for decades, and it's okay to use those kinds of terms. Do you still get excited when you get the past performances for a race like the Risen Star this weekend? Yeah, well, well first of all, congratulations on the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's no, I think great. it's exceptionally it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. And thank our friends over at the HBPA. The Very Kentucky much HBPA. so. All good yeah. friends of mine, and yeah, I feel yeah. the same way about them. Yeah. Thank you guys for doing this. Uh, yes, to answer your question, it's funny you should ask that particular question, because the moment I saw your email, like, ooh. Ooh, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a numbers guy. I mean, yep. I love the daily racing form and always will. And I love this time of year because you're, the chess game begins, right? I mean, it's a, you know the the nuances of the numbers, and it just reminds me of so many years I've done this. I, I go back to the early '70s in New York with you know Ruffian and Secretariat and Seattle Slough and all the greats that went through there, Absolutely. and it it just touches a spot of my heart that is hard to articulate. And frankly, I never thought would turn into all of this later in my life. I just sure. thought it was a very one-dimensional thing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, seeing the racing form at this time of year brings out an emotion that I don't really get in almost anything else I do. You're a New York guy. Uh, by upbringing, at least, you're a Kentucky guy by choice. You're like me that way. Uh, the Commonwealth is a place that you chose to settle, raise your family, do those things. Same thing for me. I, I know for sure I never would have gotten into horse racing had we not moved here. 
No chance. I didn't attend a horse race till I was 23 years old. Really? Not I, did, I did not know that. Weird. <laughs> uh, so what? what is Fred Cowgill's origin story in horse racing? Mm. Because, and I'm... I'm happy that I got to come up in horse racing the way that I did mm-hmm. because it's purely an adult thing for me. Right. There's no nostalgia. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's no magic to horse racing outside of purely horse racing. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the ruffian memories. Uh, yes. I don't have those things. I have it purely as I had to figure it out on my own because no one helps you with this sport, right? Right. And then I had to do that. It took like six years of going to the track by myself. Sure. To even figure out why people were betting on horses looking at a form. Sure. To even get an idea of what the heck the public was doing. That's like going to a different country. Oh, it's unbelievable. Learning a new language. But once I figured it out, obviously, I'm doing this now, so I love it. But I am a little jealous of the people. So, like, uh, this, you know, on the Horse Racing Happy Hour this week, we're having a man named Steve Kornacki. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he's a Boston guy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about going to the track with his uncle at age, like, seven and eight. Mm. And I'm jealous of that. Now, yeah. the beautiful thing is... I have I have four kids, and they get to have that. Sure. So at least I'd be able to impart that part of it. My kids have all been in the paddock. They've been in the winter circle. Nice. They get to do those silly things. Nice. And that I'm sure lots of people that. would love to do. They will always have. But that. they will always have it. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. How did Fred Calvin get this? Frankly, the love of horses started when I was little. My mom grew up outside Houston, okay. uh, near Sugarlands, and the family had a, a big ranch farm. A group of countries and had cattle and had lots of horses. And I was growing up in New York because my dad worked for IBM. Uh, my dad had met my mom at a USO show in Houston during World War II. Wow. And he convinced her to, to take the, the ride. And she took the train up to Pennsylvania and they got married. And eventually he worked for IBM. And But we'd go there in summers. And so I learned hang, to ride horses. Hang on, hang on. We got to go back. Is your mom like part of the entertainment at the USO? No, she was she there for a dance, husband, or was yeah. she kind of just there to like? She was scout there, the exactly. Okay, and how about that? Good for your dad. Uh, my dad walked up, asked her to dance, and the rest is history for me. Hey, let's go! I like that. There yeah. you go. No swiping right on that story. No. Nope. <laughs> so we'd go down there every summer, and I fell in love with horses. My horse Rusty, he was my pal, and. It was a very one-dimensional thing. I never, ever knew it would blossom into anything else. I didn't even know all the history of my mom's family down there. Her ninth-generation grandfather fought with Sam Houston for the independence of what was then uh, northern Mexico and became the country of Texas and was awarded for his efforts by Sam Houston a land grant in southwest Houston of about 16 square miles. And a small part of that was left when I came along and so that's led to, it was about a thousand acres and I got to ride every summer down there. Fast forward to my sophomore year of high school, junior high school, I was a, I was a young grad, I was 16 as a junior and my best friend's dad owned harness horses okay. uh, in suburban New York City at Yonkers Raceway. And I'd known that for a long time but it never really went anywhere but when now we're 16 and Joe used to go obviously because of his dad being an owner when he was a kid but for the most part, you didn't go until you were 16 there. And he invites me to go. I'm like, my dad will never let me go. We'd never really talked horses before in any consequential way in terms of betting. But I remember on a Friday night, he came home and I walked in thinking he was going to kill me. Uh, He became my best friend through all this. Mm -hmm. And I said, Dad, you know, Joe's going to the racetrack next Friday. Wanted to go, me to go. Would you mind? And he said, on one condition, he was a big man, 6'2", 250, scared to death of him. Uh, I was like, what? He goes, next time you take me. And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. We, he went with us, and 
we would go almost every Friday night. So I started with the Trotters, and it became a regular thing for all of us. I mean, his dad, Joe, me, my dad, eventually the Roosevelt Raceway on the mm-hmm. island, yep. eventually morphed into the flats at Belmont, and eventually Saratoga, day-night uh, harness. Yeah, flat, yeah. My senior high school, my, my senior class present uh, for graduating was a trip of the upstate tracks in New York and Canada, uh, har- flats and harness, up to Montreal for Blue Bonnets, uh, Toronto, Windsor, all the way to Buffalo Raceway, uh, Batavia Raceway, uh, Vernon Finger Lakes, Vernon Downs Finger Lakes. All right. <laughs> eventually, eventually, I worked in Rochester for four years, so I covered Finger Lakes for four years. How about that? So, Kevin Whitley, who was the Pat Day of that era, right. and eventually, I got a phone call one day. Do you want to come here to Louisville? And it's funny because I'd just been non-renewed in my contract in Rochester by a new company that came in. I thought my life was over. And I get this phone call, do you want to go to Louisville, where I'd come in second the year before okay. for the same job. And timing is everything, right? So I get here, and the news director picks me up, and this is around August 15th, 1986. And I asked the news director what we're doing. He said, going to take it to the hotel, get a bite to eat. I said, can we go someplace first? So we go to Churchill Downs, and I'm waiting for the angels to sing and the harps to play. And we end up in South Louisville to a place that needed a big renovation. Didn't matter. I'm under the spires. And I'm like, okay, I'll take the job. And he hadn't even offered it yet. I mean, you know, it wasn't, this was literally, I'm there 15 minutes. So it was a beginning on a long love affair. My parents move here. My dad gets into a syndicate called Hickory Bark Thoroughbreds back in the day in the early 90s before syndicates became a popular thing. Joe Fowler, our dermatologist, who was the ringleader, one of them. Greg Foley, the trainer, a number of jockeys. And they had a great time. There was a horse called Everlasting Hope, who was my all-time favorite horse. 1994, first ask, Churchill, Thanksgiving Day, uh, first start, literally romps. And we had just had a baby boy, Freddie, our oldest, in 94. And I didn't know which was bigger. I didn't know how, because I never thought I'd be a dad. I didn't know how much more emotional I could be finally being a dad and then seeing my dad's horse win at Churchill Downs, first ask. It's pretty cool. That horse ends up on the Derby Trail briefly and uh, came... Ran in the Risen Star, in fact. Yes. How about that? Yes, and came one race short of being able to have enough graded stakes money to make the Kentucky Derby. It would have been cool to cover my dad doing that. He loved it. I loved it. We talk horses all the time. We'd go to the old... What was it uh, over at popular level before? It was Sports Spectrum? What was it? Uh, yes. Yes, right. yes. We'd go there in the wintertime, watch the horses, bet... Uh, I actually did an eye challenge Fred with him on handicapping, and he let me win. He was a very good handicapper. He was a, a speculative better too. He he would follow his instincts. Okay. He loved the numbers, but he was not afraid to throw something out there, and he would hit some huge numbers, way more than I ever did. Hmm. But uh, it was the thing that sort of uh, really sealed our friendship for the rest of our lives together. So I got to be here, and I, I thought I knew a lot when I got here about horse racing, and I knew nothing, right. absolutely nothing, compared to what I've learned over the last 38 years. And it's been a complete love affair. I mean, it's the reason I came here. It's the reason I've stayed here, other than my wife and four kids, who are all from here. And any chance I ever had to leave, one of the biggest issues was would I still get to cover horse racing? Because in our business, in the TV news side, especially local TV news, 
most, I'd say out of 250 television markets, 248 really don't cover horse racing, right. unless there's something very big going on. Right. You know, the Triple Crown in New York, the, the New York City stations cover the Belmont Stakes, that kind of thing. But here, we cover it not only as a betting proposition, but as a sport and a business. Yep. And I found that intoxicating. I got to actually talk to people about horse racing, about all the issues, about the important things in the game. And yes, some of the ones that are not fun to talk about, like breakdowns, but also the really cool things to talk about, like business models and jobs and how important it was to get historical horse racing and how it changed the fabric of this state when it comes to horse racing and how suddenly we went from almost an afterthought except for a couple of boutique races to now the circuit in the United States. Look at California, right? So I'm seeing now this blossoming thing that I've covered for 38 years and how exceptionally cool it is. And I'll I'll go to the racetrack, Louis, and frankly, I don't have to bet. I just like watching the horses. Now, I do, but not as, <laughs> not as much as I used to. Sure. But I found myself appreciating it on, on so many levels, whether it's news, yes. doing interviews, being on the backside, or simply enjoying the fabric of the afternoon on a date with my wife, where I let her bet. And she picks, and I'm just the bank. Sure. And frankly, she wins pretty often. I get it. <laughs> like, I get it. And, and she has a blast. And seeing her enjoy that, she's a long shot person, Earl yeah, and Freddie, sure. a long yeah, shot yeah. person. Sure. I think it's fantastic. So it is very much part of the fabric of my life and has since I was about six years old. Once in a while, I have guests on, and I refer to them as, as different types. So there's one type where you really have to extract answers. You've talked to these people before. Sure. So you have to extract it. And then there are people like you who are essentially the hotel uh, equivalent of walking in and you set your suitcase on the edge of the bed. You think it's securely on the edge of the bed. And then it falls over and everything falls out. <laughs> so I have like 70 questions about what you just said. Okay. So Fred Calgill with us. Uh, he's over at WLKY for the next couple of months. And then uh, he's just going to transition straight into horse racing full time. Uh, the the mention of, of the renovations at Churchill Downs. I go back and forth with this with horse racing people because, and we don't need to do a whole, I could do an hour. Trying to figure out the mentality of horse players because all of them are negative people. All of them. It's stunning. Um, mm. More than other sports. Like Cubs reasons. fans. They're a bit like Cubs fans. But I think it's just because you get your butt kicked so often betting that you just it, you get calluses, essentially. You get emotional calluses from the sport. I go to Pimlico every year, and I love it. I love covering the Preakness. The Stakes Barn there is fantastic. But I start every show on Friday on Black Eyed Susan Day with... Welcome into unrenovated Pimlico Racecourse. Yeah. I start that way. I make the joke every year. I used to have to say, because we were stuck in the auxiliary press room, which is a fantastic room because it overlooks the Stakes Barn, and you're near no one. I used to say, deep within the bowels of unrenovated <laughs> Pimlico Racecourse. Literally. Churchill, Churchill's really nice, and, and people complain about it being nice. Right. What do people want? Mm. What do they want? Well, when I got here... Because I don't want Pimlico, I'll tell you that. Right. I don't want that in my state. I right. certainly don't want that. When I got here, if you lit a match, the whole thing would have burned up. Yeah, right? And Saratoga is still that way. I mean, although they I looked it up. Wise Dan... Uh, I had this number. There it is. Wise Dan broke his maiden. How much money do you think Wise Dan made breaking his maiden? Uh, $20,000. Uh, Wise Dan got a check uh, for thirteen. Mm-hmm. And now they're running for a buck twenty. He would have made in the same exact race at Turfway. Mm-hmm. At Turfway, forty plus thousand dollars. And at Churchill, seventy-two ish. He would have got about seventy grand for winning at Churchill. Right. At Churchill. Right. Yep. Now the world has changed. So, but yeah. that was the trajectory of the state. Let's be really clear about this. Right. And this predates my real interest in horse racing. Here, I'll be very clear about it. But 
You know, I moved here in 09. Something I like to talk about on my show 10 to noon is, is people just assume things won't go away. So right now we're dealing with Louisville basketball. <laughs> in a, in a massive downturn as yes, far as the quality on the court, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think in, if you told somebody in 1999, hey, Nebraska, I hope you enjoyed this run. Your football team's about to suck. Mm-hmm. They would have said, oh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We got this beautiful stadium. We got all these Heisman winners. We've got this thing. You talk about Churchill Downs the way that you do because it's accurate. Mm-hmm. And why stand broke his maiden in 2010, mm-hmm. in 2010, not 1985, mm-hmm. and gets a check for like 12 grand. That's just not the case anymore. People have started to. So something I always stress about horse racing is this is not a sport. It's a sport by the time it gets to you. But it's an industry. It's a lifestyle. It Very is much so. all of those things mm-hmm. as well. One of my favorite things that happens to me every year is I get backside Derby Week Monday. And I sh- but even when I show up early. There are thousands of people already there working. Right. There's a there's a town mm. on the backside of Churchill. Valley. Very well there's articulated. A city Very much going so. on already. There is a culture. There is a, a subculture. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is going on when you get there. And it is. I love that moment. And Fred, I have it every year. You talked about getting the PPs for the for mm-hmm. the star and getting that feeling. Oh sure. When I walk onto the backside, oh, no. Derby Week. And just see people doing what they do every day, but I just happen to be there because there's an important two minute race on Saturday. Right. Man, that's a cool moment, and I'll never get over it. It's intoxicating being back there. It truly is. I I completely identify with those emotions and have felt them and will feel them again in a few weeks, God willing. So, no, it. um, to answer your question, Churchill's gone through a metamorphosis, which was necessary. And the business has changed a lot in a lot of ways and will continue to. I mean, uh, Alabama football is an example. I mean— you don't think those guys are scared now that Nick Saban's gone? Will they become the Nebraska of oh, they're the 2020s? They're well, they should be because change can be that way. Yes. And in horse racing, maybe more than more, most sports or more than a lot of sports because tradition is so embedded into certain things like Churchill Downs. So when I got other here— Other leagues, by the way, are playing games on MLK Day. Like the NBA has like MLK Day and that kind of stuff. They're still running President's Day cards in California. Mm. That's how old horse racing is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean that's the giveaway is those sorts of things. Oh yeah, our president's getting a card. It's like New York runs a Columbus Day card. Yeah, what? Yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> it's this is how old horse racing is. No, it's okay. I, I mean, mean, doesn't bother me. Churchill, eighteen seventy five. Right? I mean, Louisville right. is the birthplace of at I least. I just want I just want good horse racing on a Monday. That's all I right. want. Okay, <laughs> Louisville's had at least six racetracks here over the course of oh. history. So it just shows you how embedded in the community the sport has been for roughly three hundred years. I mean, this literally right after the Civil War. This is when it first really oh, yeah. took off for just Churchill Downs, but there were other just parks Churchill before Downs. that, right? Yep. So, yep. to see what Churchill's done, you can be as critical as you want sure. to. But if, for that company to then become CDI from Churchill Downs and to do what it's done was necessary for its survival in so many ways to diversify, to go into other things, and eventually to stumble on historical horse racing courtesy of Kentucky Downs and a company that found a loophole in the Kentucky law that paramutual wagering is legal and a way to adapt slot machines to go to paramutual wagering systems. It was a loophole that worked, and suddenly it became a cash cow. The first year at uh, Derby City Gaming, they pulled in a billion dollars gross just in the games not including concessions and now there's a hotel and now they 
buy Turfway and build one there, and it just goes on and on. So, I mean, where do you get $120,000 maiden purses? Kentucky Downs, $150,000 maiden sure. purses. Yeah. So to see what Churchill's done, I remember vividly when I got here the the pushback against it. You're going to do what? You're going to put lights up? You're going to put a turf course in? I remember the lights conversation. Yes. And look, it's, it looks like NASCAR. Look, you know. With the gift of 38 years now, having seen all of this, the equity of the experience, sure. I'm fine with it. Right. At the time, I sympathize with some of oh, those I, arguments. I, I mean, I'm an Augusta, you know, golf guy, tradition. Right yes, yes, you yes, don't yes. mess the old yep. Yankee yep. Stadium. Yep. I, I, right. I, I yes. enormously, that's an even better example. Yes. I enormously sympathize with those arguments. But when you ask yourself the simple question... Are you going to adapt or die? Correct. You're are going you, to adapt. Are you going to get better? That's and right. and, yep. and not only adapt, but get better. That very well, very well said. And so by getting lights, well, they're going to run the derby at night. No, they're not because the police won't let them because it's an impossible egress if you do this at night. Now, they've done it with other races. They, yeah, with 20,000 people, with 25, not with 170,000 people or whatever that number happens to be. It'd be a bad idea. And everybody knows that tempting as it is to want to run the Derby at night in prime time, especially for the Western time zones. I get all that. And would they experiment it with it once just to try? Who knows? But the lights weren't just put up for those reasons, for that maybe. It was about everything else, and it's gone very well. So I mean, the lights in the morning for training, frankly. Oh, my gosh. Had you been there before and then seen it with the with the lights on? If I'm an owner, I love those lights. Sure, you can see. I love those lights. I get it. I think it's probably considerably safer, too. I mean, it really is. You would like to believe that, because before it was like watching like you were in a closet, right? <laughs> so I mean, it, dark some morning. Right. It really so you just hope that when they came by the security light, you could maybe get a glimpse of your horse. I remember. Yeah. It's again the equity of the experience. So you mentioned, you mentioned the circuit itself. This hmm. is another question that came out of your your opening monologue there, uh, and I'm only picking on you a little. Was that you think Kentucky has moved into that spot as the top circuit? I don't think there's any question. Okay, now um, I do a lot of horse racing stuff with guys in Southern California, with guys in New York, mm-hmm. who are used to those two being the the standard bearers of the sport. I understand that. Now. In other sports, this this matters a lot less. So the NFL, for example, Detroit, Jacksonville, and Green Bay mm-hmm. can be good, and the NFL's fine. Right. The city of Kansas City, which no one cares about at all outside of the NFL, can be the standard bearer for a half decade, mm-hmm. and the sport has a record mm-hmm. number of people watch its championship. 150 right? million or some crazy thing, right? 200 million at its peak. Right. That's insanity. Right. Okay. I am of the opinion that things change over time. They sure do. And and that comment I just made about getting better, being better, Mm -hmm. that's not Kentucky's fault for getting better, right? That they're consolidating more of these trainers, the money, et cetera, in this state. No. Because it's set up well. It's not Kentucky's fault. No. Having a winter track with with a surface that is amongst the safest in the country and offers both dirt and the turf horse is a place to at least mm-hmm. stay fresh during the winter. Yes. Is a good thing. It's a smart thing. Correct. You see the dirt at Aqueduct. Do they just... Fred. Fred. It's a challenge situation. It's a different thing. But what I'm getting at is Kentucky has done the right things to get into the position that it's in. Yes. What do you think happens the next five years or so just on the Kentucky circuit itself? Well, that's a really good question, Louis. I mean, first of all... Because I don't... Something we don't need to do on this show is talk about the viability of Santa Anita or something, because this is the Kentucky race. I'm ball. scared for them, just as a side well, note. That's, I, as, but, a, as a but fan I of the game. I think that's part of the, well, I think it's part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's fine if Kentucky gets better, but it's 
It's especially fine if other places get better too. Sure. But I'm I'm watching that other places are not getting better. No. Better. What do you think happens on the Kentucky Trail? This will only exponentially get better here I because okay. So if you're a trainer in California or New York and you're asking yourself honest questions, it costs a fortune to live here. It costs a fortune to deal with all of these things, and this is not a good business model. While Kentucky is a lot less expensive to be in, is a nice place to live, has so many, and you're close to so many things, and most importantly, it has a functional circuit, which year-round can give you what you need at the exact time. You want baby two-year-olds, you have Ellis Park. You want winter racing, you've got Turfway, and it's safe. Uh, obviously, the best of the best, Keeneland and Churchill Downs. So, And you've got Kentucky Downs, which offers an amazingly unique and one of my all-time favorite places. I love the unique, special feeling you get. It's like a, a fair track. Like when I grew up when I was little, mm-hmm. going to upstate New York, to, to Goshen, New York. It was a, I mean, a fair track there. It was wonderful. It, awesome. Yeah, the Fourth of July weekend every year. So Those are races, by the way, like Northern California. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go out to like the wide festival. I would that too. Kind of stuff. It looks awesome. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. for that exact reason. Yeah, yeah. And I think the sport kind of missed out of the boat on that and sort of stumbled into it because of Kentucky Downs because they were the ones to experiment with historical horse racing first and sitting on the belly of Tennessee and come on up, right? The water's warm where there was no expanded gaming. Now they build an exit for all the people trying to come up 20 or 30 minutes from Nashville and uh, northern Tennessee there to enjoy the fruits of what's going on at Kentucky Downs year-round because of the historical horse racing machines. So, no, I mean, it offers something for everybody. It really does. And I can't see... How it can do anything but only get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, what? And and there's no competition. There's nobody else that has been. And part of it's luck, part of it's smarts, part of it's logistics, and part of it is a vision. I think that Churchill Downs Incorporated said so we're going to grab Turfway while we can, man. We got it because nobody wanted Turfway, right? Nobody wanted it, and suddenly. Look what's happened. I watch every night. Now, I, I, sure. I, I rarely bet, but it's fun. Full fields in the wintertime. It's very fun. 10, 12 it's, horses. Yes. Okay, they're five claimers. So what? I mean, it's... Oh, I don't care about that at all. Right. Zero percent. Yeah, You've got no, five, no. eight <laughs> claimers. You've got maiden claimers. So what? Yeah. You've got competitive racing, competitive fields, and most importantly, big fields. Tasty fields that you can make a buck on if you are smart enough to figure out who's going to win. I interviewed a trainer recently, and I'm going to leave his name out of this part of the conversation, but he said one of the most frustrating parts about racing in a different uh, a different circuit, essentially, was the condition book was so complicated. Mm. And it was like $7,500 claimer for non-three lifers of this kind of condition, plus this, also this, got to carry this much weight, blah, blah, blah. And he said, and then I got to Kentucky, and it was like, Turfway, $5,000 claimer if you've never won three races. Period. And Six and a half for a long done. if you want. There, boom, done. You're running for 23 grand. That's it. I mean, like, it's, it's that Common kind of sense rules. Correct. And, and people deserve credit for just putting in those kinds of conditions in the condition book. So it seems it seems so logical and simple sitting in a radio studio. Right. But it was obviously very difficult to come to those conclusions at some point. And so, um, there's no, so many there's, layers to it. It's so yes. many different fiefdoms. So many, yes. you know, every state has its own game. And then there's so many rules. And if you're a trainer trying to run in Indiana and Ohio and Kentucky, the drug rules, it's not just the, the, the way they're writing the races. It's also the different rules and conditions for each state. Well, Kentucky doesn't allow this. Well, Ohio, they sort of allow, well, Indiana, maybe. I mean, like, this would drive me out of my mind. And people wonder why trainers run into trouble with inadvertently I mean it doesn't sound that way because people think that all horse trainers cheat and that's just the most 
heinous thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, it's like any business. 95, 98% of the people are doing great things. And then you have the outliers. You have the guys that want to find the shortcut. Okay, I get all that. But they're all trying to follow those. But when your rules are so bloody complicated and your drug rules are so so different from state to state because you're all running your own games, how am I supposed to do this? Well, now Kentucky has solved that problem. Now we have a complete circuit. Just learn one set of rules. The, the race riding is simple. Enjoy. And big purses. I know. And there's money. That's right. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Risen Star next. Okay. But uh, I'm going to put you in a terrible spot. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Your favorite track in Kentucky is? It's complicated. You know what? I, to that's give you an one awesome, answer. That's an awesome. And, and you're not allowed to do what you're doing. But okay. the, uh, <laughs> no, but the but but I think I don't know that there's a wrong answer to that question. No, there's not. That's what's great about the circuit. No, because is if you told me you really just love Turfway because you need something to do on Wednesday nights, I, there's nothing wrong with that answer. I love going to Keeneland because of the stonework and the property sure. and whatever. Oh, it's beautiful. I understand that. I'm a Churchill guy. Like I just I love what I love about Churchill is getting out of here on a Friday at noon. Mm-hmm. Driving over there, mm-hmm. walking in, get out the cigar, and I never know who's going to be in the seat three mm-hmm. over for me. Sure. He's just going to want to talk about the next race. And it is it is the heart and soul of the game, no matter how you Correct. cut it. I mean, I I don't make a buck from them, so I think I can see this with you know, sure. you know subjectivity, but without any <laughs> um, coercion, so to speak. It's the reason I came here. It's the reason I stayed. Yep. So the conversation starts and really ends there. That said, there are things I like about other tracks in the state that are so uniquely them. Kentucky Downs, I mean, it's completely. I always yeah. try to make at least one race day a year there just to go there. I mean, I'll bet. I won't bet. doesn't matter. I get my butt kicked. I win some money. Well, it matters. But you know, <laughs> but it's it's. I'm going there for something more. Right. Now, I want to go to Turfway. I've heard that it's hard to watch the races. A little. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to find out more about that. But uh, Keeneland, well, obviously, is so up, special. Up with me. We'll do uh, some, we'll I'd do like some stuff around the ruby. Won't we I would love to. In March, yeah, we'll do that. You count on All it. All right, great. So, but to your point, I think they have found unique niches for each of the tracks here. Yep. Ellis with the babies, I love going over there. It's quiet. It's inexpensive. And the partnership between Ellis and Kentucky Downs is a really good idea. Yes. A very good idea. Having and by the way, that's two very different ownership groups. Yes. So even within our circuit, they, there seems to be some camaraderie. I don't know how much, but at least some enough, camaraderie. Enough some, to do that stuff. Which is more Where than we ever see money before. transferred from Kentucky Downs to, to Ellis. Because, by the way, because the legislators in the state understood you've got to treat this like an industry rather than just a sport. That was, I think, the game-changing moment for me that I never honestly thought I might see. That at some point, the people who are making the laws here said to themselves, if we don't do something, we're going to mess us up. And it's going to be on our hands and forever. I mean, it's on the license plates. My my Jeep sitting outside has Seattle Slew sitting on it. And it, and more importantly to the more generic plates, it just people in, around the world, when they talk to me about Kentucky, they really only know a few things. And it's a very short list, right? Bourbon. Bourbon horses. and the colonel. That's probably oh, about okay. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kentucky yeah. Derby specifically, the Colonel yeah. and Bourbon. Yeah. It's a very short list, yeah. and it, it's a powerful list because the horse thing transcends so much, and they all want to come to the Derby. They all want to put ah, that's our bucket list thing. And when they come here, they're universally happy. They're like, "This is so nice here. People are so nice." And I'm like, "It 
I've said this for 38 years. It's one of the best kept secrets in the United States. I mean, it's wives. People are like, oh, are you going to move now that you're semi-retiring? I'm like, what are you, nuts? I mean, I, I've been here 38 years. It's my adopted home. I mean, I, now, January's, I could spend, you know, Gulfstream. That sounds awfully enticing. Well, Jimmy, Jimmy, little Pegasus. <laughs> it has crossed my mind. But other than that, I mean, and February's been gorgeous here. So yeah. the one month in mean, January I really wrestle with. But I'm teaching at UofL now, so I'm here. Well, you know, one or another. By the way, that encapsulates about 75, 80% United States in January. Oh, I know. So it's not really Kentucky's fault there. No, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there are very few warm places in the continental United States <laughs> in January. Well said. But it's, um, I think if you're a horse person, uh, you're in a very unique place. It's the only place I've ever seen where you can go into a grocery store, Kroger, whatever, Publix, and hear women over uh, arguing over horses, over lettuce, when they're in the produce section. No I've seen it. I'm like, well, wow. I had a, I had wow. A, I had a retiree, she was a former teacher who was my checkout lady at our local grocery store when we lived in Ogden Park. And I had to talk horses. Marilyn. I still remember her name. Her name was Marilyn. Aww. She was probably a mid-60s, late-60s black woman. And if we didn't talk horses, and she was the one before the race, she was like, honey, I don't know what you're looking at, but California Chrome's winning the derby. She just looked straight at me. Just California Chrome's winning. Very cool. And this was two weeks before the race. I, th- I, I loved it. I that kind of, but that's the kind of stuff you could walk in and I'm checking out with a bag of apples for my kids and Marilyn behind the counter, who was a teacher for 35 years in JCPS or something, is like, hey, if you leave if you leave California Chrome out of your exotics here. That's very cool. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's Many people over the years have asked me why I love horse racing so much. And I often think of the movie Seabiscuit and the story of Seabiscuit, especially in the challenge window of time economically this country went through. There's something about horses that are so soulful with people. If you get to be around them at all, they'll cut right through you. I mean, they're not the smartest animals in the world. I mean, but what they lack in innate intelligence, their emotions are absolutely off the charts. You get on the back of a horse, that horse can read your mind in seconds. Really, that's right. Absolutely so. And and some of them are mean. And just they know like when you're walking up to them, too, what your they intentions do. are. They know. They know. They know. Some are mean, so are people. Some are incredibly playful and joyful. And, and some and are really smart. Some are puppy dogs. Yep. All of the above. Yep. Pharaoh, especially, was the biggest puppy dog I've ever seen in my life. It's as a racehorse. I'm like, oh, my gosh. He would nuzzle you. Talk about demeanor. I don't know if you've gone out to visit him in retirement. No, I have so not. He, see, there's actually a path coming out of his barn. And one is to visit with people and one's to go to the stud barn. Oh. Okay. So you can imagine which one he would probably prefer well, was, yeah. like you and me, right? And yeah. so the, uh, <laughs> but, he, but his demeanor is exactly the same going to either path. Mm-hmm. He that, loves people. But that, it takes that kind of exceptional put together of one horse, correct trainer, correct jockey yep. for his career to happen. Exactly. Right? And so all of those things, that's why I talk, I talk on the show, uh, and it's I think it's either a Bobby V. I think it's a Bobby V. Where he says basketball is a very simple play, a simple game to play well, but very difficult to play well. Mm. Horse racing is a very difficult game that's difficult to play well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very complicated game. That is the yeah. truth, no <laughs> question about it, and that, it will break your heart every day. Every day. What other sport? Why? It, there's nothing like horse. Why racing. would you do it if it's? People have asked me so if you if you're so torn up about you know whatever fill in the blank sure. what, and, that, and that it's going to happen again tomorrow. I'm like. Because there's something more. There's something more. That I, that, and it doesn't always come out in an articulated way in a business that, of words for us. It just it goes to the core of someone's soul. And it starts for me and ends with being around a racehorse, being there just enjoying them and, and getting that, that aura that they give off. Mm-hmm. And, that, and it, horses do that to people. I've seen it from the time I was little. And that is so intoxicating that you can put up with the heartbreak and look at the trainers, what they go through when they lose horses and all of that. And yet they still come back. And those people 
love animals more than any people who don't get horse racing. They're out there 365. They don't get a vacation day. Horses have to eat. They work the most bizarre and That's why punishing COVID, hours. I, the first people I heard from when COVID hit, and I remember the Wednesday before the Jeff Ruby Stakes, they shut down the world. Mm-hmm, I remember. And I remember the horse people saying, I, I have to go in. This is not an option. I have to go in. And they said, okay, well, you're outside, you're masked up. I mean, like, go do it. And, and I remember even Bashir at the time was like, we've got to stop horse racing, but keep going to the track, essentially, is what, is what right. he said. By the way, uh, to close this conversation about the, the circuit itself, Luan Machado is the leading rider at Turfway Park. Right? Okay. okay. I did not know uh, that. He started riding in 2018 in earnest in his professional career. Okay. Uh, last year was a breakout, incredible year for him. He made $5.7 million in purses. Okay. He is closing in on a million dollars already in his February 16th. Wow. And just at Turfway Park. Wow. <laughs> that shows you how much this money is, is at Turfway. Is That's exactly right. Guys don't need to. Abel Cedillo came in. He left. He's not at Santa Anita in January and February. Mm hmm. To ride at Turfway, and he's crushed. He's already made over half a million. What's dollars. cracking me up is you see like a, an eight thousand claimer, and if but the you, purse like thirty three grand, you, right. you, you, win the, you win the purse, you pay yeah. for your horse, yeah. and you have oh, pocket yeah. change. Yeah. You've got more than your horse. No I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I just hope it keeps going. Who you got the risen star? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so I, I, I did glance at it, but did my homework before it came in. Okay. Uh, Sometimes I go on instinct, and I will tell you that Hall of Fame intrigues me. You told me that. Yes. I, uh, I know uh, he makes see, a massive know. jump from his first to his second start in buyer numbers, and that, that does always concern me a little bit. But, man, to win a— uh, Well, except that it was—, it was you could say, hey, maybe it was because he stretched out, right? Yes, absolutely. Two turns that time, and yes, he's yes. a gun runner, so he's going to want the distance, right? Yes. A, yeah. See, now, you, you've taken the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> and to win by 10, to win so impressively, to, sure. to draw off— we don't know how good he is, and he pulls a 94 buyer, second lifetime start. This could be a star in the making. So there are obvious choices in here that I mean deserve some conversation, some talk. I mean, Track Phantom obviously has done nothing wrong. There's a little speed, not a lot, so he may get the same trip on the same track. Maybe he's a horse for the course, and that's that. He wins, right? It's going to so, rain a little on uh, today, Friday, and then it's going to rain a little bit on Saturday, so ooh. we'll see. But a lot of these horses do have good wet numbers, too, actually. Yes, absolutely so. Yep. So Honor Marie, obviously, uh, affection for wit, is a great guy, yep. uh, Kentucky guy, Louisville guy, St. X guy. And was really good in that Kentucky Jockey Club. Very much so. Well, Very much so. Yeah. But you never know when they go from two to three what you're going to get. That's exactly right. And so for me, it's hard, not because I don't respect the horse, but it's hard for me to bet that first start not knowing because the progression was fantastic. Buyers 71, 81, 92, three nice races, even on the slop, his only loss on the slop. He figures to do very well. Honor Code, a very good sire. Uh, I mean, I'd like to believe he's going to do well, but we'll have to wait and see. Sierra Leone, a $2.3 million baby. You got to take those seriously, whether you like it or not. Well, and his run in the Ramsen against Doorknock was one of those yes. finishes this year that it really stands out, or excuse me, in December, really stands out as a, a fantastic race leading to this. But again, that was in December. Right. Those two year olds, his first start back as a three year old. But I like, you know. But Chad Brown, this is not an accidental ship here. So who's he run against? Well, Doorknock was a legitimate horse. Yeah. So, okay, so I take him even more seriously. So two starts, it, it gets nipped in the Ramsen in the mud. Uh, at great breeding, big price, big expectations, big connections. The owners, obviously, the tables. By the way, that 150 mm -hmm. at Aqueduct this year mm -hmm. over that distance mm -hmm. is very fast. Oh, good. Good to know. So, just Even as a so. reference for other races there, they're running like 154s. Really? Is, I did not know that. so deep right now. So, though, I mean, those are the ones that just, you know, at a glance, I mean, you'd have to take very seriously. There are other, po you know, possible horses, but that's, uh, for me, in the short conversation, the one I'm. 
I'll watch the race, curious what Hall of Fame does. I'm not sure I'll bet it or not, but I'm curious to see if this horse, especially if it's a fast track, is taking the next jump. And then how do you manage those last 12 weeks, right? I mean, yep. we talked before yep. we went on the air about, yep. you know, do you race up to it? Do you like wrap him in bubble if he wins the race and say, we'll see you on the first Saturday in May? I hate that. I personally okay. hate okay. that. But I understand I why people do it. I ran it last week about Kenny McPeak because I, I can never handicap his horses and it's not his fault. He actually runs his horses. That's what I I'm like. Not, I'm not mad at Kenny. No. That's exactly right. I just can't. I, I'm can't more of the guy, if I'm an owner, I, I don't want to have workouts. I want to have races. So let's race them into shape. If you lose, you lose. I only care about the big picture. Right. Right? And I want a horse with a nice long career that has success uh, to uh, you know manage any potential shot of injuries. Most importantly, how do you get the most out of a horse's career? Mm. Do you have 10 workouts in one start or do you have you know, five races over that period of time and race him into shape. And if he loses, he loses. I'm, it's, and I got a check for, you know, it's not a workout. He actually got a check. And if he's racing a turf way, okay. Right. Or other play, you know, the Kentucky circuit. So that's, that's one man's opinion because, you know, this talk of six week layoffs, it's happening more and more. And I'm like, and it's not good for the game. And if, and there's a morality in me that if I'm an owner, I have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. There will be a plan for this horse when he retires. We're not just going to cut him loose. And not because he's a sire or whatever, but I mean, he, we have a life plan for this horse if we're going to buy him. That Unless we sell him to someone who's going to do something good also. Sure. But I mean, the irresponsibility in our business in the past of not having end games, to me, was morally just off the charts. We've, we've got to do something about this. And owners that get in the game need to be responsible for a horse's 25-year life or whatever it happens to be, not the first two years. All right, he's Fred Calgill. He's over at WLKY. Um, I'm doing two shows at Kentucky Downs this fall, so you're just going to go sit in on those, okay? I'd love to. All right, there you go. We'll just do that. Sorry. You name the place, I'll be there. We will figure it out. He's Fred Calgill, WLKY, at least for the next couple of months. Uh, Fred, don't be a stranger, friend. Let's do this again. Yes, sir. Be happy to do it. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Welcome back to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome into the final segment of the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. Louis Rabot with you. I'm at Radio Louis on Twitter. You can find us at KY Racing Spotlight as well. For the show, keep up on all the guests and the different happenings uh, happening here. Thanks to Fred Calgill in the final segment, uh, the last, previous segment, excuse me, uh, for giving us that origin story. Really enjoyed my conversation with Fred and hopefully uh, his picks for the Risen Star workout for him and all of his bets uh, this weekend. I do want to get into this card a bit. A couple of cool things going down uh, at Fairgrounds tomorrow. Oaks Prep, obviously, in the Rachel Alexandra Race 13. Close with that Derby Prep. 
both for 50 points here, the Risen Star uh, at the end. Both of them grade twos and just uh, a fantastic card. They will have a half million dollars guaranteed in the late pick five sequence tomorrow at Fairgrounds as well. So you might want to get in on that too. Uh, turf races going two turns. And then, of course, two, three dirt races going two turns as well. Very unusual sequence that way. All stakes, but no sprint races. So we will look into all of those. Did want to comment really quickly. Race 11 is the mine shaft. It's a grade three mile and a 16th for older horses going two turns, 250 in the kitty there. Grade three. It's just back to back months now that we've gotten good two turn older dirt horse races from the fairgrounds. Last month, obviously, Saudi Crown wins the Louisiana Stakes, heads to literally Saudi <laughs> to try to win their race uh, over there. Uh, but now we get Red Route 1, we get Hayes Strike, we get Best Actor, Gasly, Notary, uh, WNL, Money Supply, Happy American, and Smile Happy. That's a that's a good field, man. That's a good grade three field in a sport that has really been hurting for good two-turn dirt races with older horses for the last couple of years. So happy to see that one going. I think this is finally the time. That gasoline breaks through for John Velasquez and Todd Pletcher. Uh, the horse did not run well in the Harlan Handy, and I think they really thought that was going to be the race. They decided to give him a solid month and a half off. Uh, that's a very good angle for Todd Pletcher. Interested to see that one come back. But if he doesn't win, it will be best actor. Uh, won his last two for Brad Cox. A little bit of a layoff here, trying in the graded ranks uh, for the first time since the Oklahoma Derby last year, which he finished third. Won the Smarty Jones before that, of course, at Parks uh, and ran in the Indiana Derby uh, second place to actuator uh, in 2022 so this is the first time in a couple of years that that horse will try graded stakes company interested to see if that works out Uh, worth checking out by the way went through the entire pick six with my friend steve kornacki from nbc last night on the horse racing happy hour available on that platform as well at horse happy hour on twitter you can go find all of our stuff there as well he really loves cornishman the 10 in race nine uh, considering in his case uh, that he's going to be playing the $1 pick six, he's going to use Cornishman as a single, uh, which is really a fascinating uh, thing. to <laughs> The old single to start the pick six, and it happens to be in a maiden race uh, as well. So I just wanted to throw that one out there as well. But race 13 is the Rachel Alexandra. It is an Oaks prep. 50 points on the line for the winner. Essentially a place in the starting gate, 300K in the kitty, grade two, mile and a 16th on the dirt there. And a really, really fun field here. And the big, the big, 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 Question is, is West Omaha staying here or is West Omaha heading to the honeybee at Oakland? And with Brad Cox, of course, things are close to the vest. Talked to Kevin Kilroy this morning on Rabot and Co. on 680. And even he didn't know from the backside there at Fairgrounds whether Brad Cox was going to keep this horse in Louisiana. What's interesting to me is purse money, different, not that different. And I don't want to underplay, you know, a $300,000 race versus a $400,000 race, which the honeybee is. But when we're talking about an operation like Gary and Mary West, maybe just whatever race works out the best. But Brad Cox does have three horses in here. He's got the one in Tarifa with Flavian Pratt, and then he's got as well the five Alpine Princess, who I think by the time we get to the gate will be the favorite in this race. Uh, under Florent Giroux, and uh, that horse has won her last two, won an allowance, and then the untappable going a mile 70 Gave her a little bit of a freshening here since right before Christmas, about seven weeks off, which, of course, is one of the great angles for Brad Cox. There really isn't a bad angle for Brad Cox, but I think Alpine Princess on top for me here. Intricate is really interesting. We've got three horses here in the four, five, six, four Intricate, five Alpine Princess in the six VV's Dream, all coming off of legitimately serious layoffs other than Alpine Princess, who ran in December. So we're talking about a horse that just took weeks off with Intricate last ran around Thanksgiving at Churchill Downs and the Goldenrod, and then Vivi's Dream 
uh, ran in October in the rags to riches here at Churchill Downs before that. Interested with her because she, you know, she wins the Pocahontas going one turn at Churchill, did BD's dream under Brian Hernandez Jr., who gets them out again in New Orleans, but comes back over two turns, loses the Elcibiades to Candide, and then loses to West Sunset by over nine lengths. Last out in the slop at Rags to Riches. Maybe the horse was tired from the campaign. Maybe the slop wasn't a good a good thing for her. But I remember I was there that day on the 29th of October. Just didn't have it that day. I'll lean on Alpine Princess here, and I think if I had a second horse, I would go to Intricate, the Brendan Walsh trained, ridden by Tyler Gaffalione, who's won her last two, uh, including that Goldenrod, uh, at Churchill Downs on the 25th of November. Uh, really showed up for that one. And if that if she keeps that form, she'll definitely be the winner of this one. The fractions in that one were honest, and I think she can keep the race honest uh, as well. Moving to the Risen Star, last race on the card, mile and an eighth, getting you ready for that mile and three sixteenths Louisiana Derby. Pretty crazy to think about. It's only a sixteenth more uh, when they run the Louisiana Derby, but I think we think of it as just this incredibly long, incredibly long uh, race. Look, folks, this is the three-year-old race we've been waiting for. Track Phantom is in here. He's going to be the favorite under Joel Rosario for Steve Asmussen. The horse has already won in both of his starts at the stakes level at fairgrounds, right? So he's going to be the 11 here because of the mile and an eighth course. Not going to be a difficult thing for him to establish position and get in there. I like a long shot here, Cardinal, the nine under Flavian Pratt for Todd Pletcher. Almost won last time, stretching out for the first time against winners. At Gulfstream Park, going a mile and a 16th, just ran out of time at the end, loses by a uh, by a neck to change of command. This feels like a Todd Pletcher uh, special horse is getting better right now, this time of year. Do I think that horse might win? I'm not sure, but it's a win place bet for me on the nine Cardinal in here as well. Interested to see if Hall of Fame can follow up the huge buyer number from last time at the fairgrounds itself. Very fast race. Horse just dominated that race. Ran it all, ran everyone else off their feet. Mile in the sixteenth and a buck forty-four. That sounds about the right amount of time. This will be about a one forty-eight, one forty-nine type race my, uh, tomorrow. Uh, is my sense. If it does rain, it's going to be interesting. There might be some horses to look at outside of that. Honor Marie obviously ran well uh, in the slop going seven furlongs behind Otto the Conqueror Churchill Downs. And then that Remsen that Sierra Leone came out of. Can he repeat that form from Long Island, from Aqueduct, uh, under Tyler Gaffalione for Chad Brown? Or is this a race to get a race? Chad Brown, very famous for that. Get Putting horses in spots to get them ready for the next one. Is that where we are with Sierra Leone? I'm simply not sure, but should be interesting to watch him try to fi- uh, fire tomorrow. Hall, uh, Hall of Fame, like I said, can he keep that buyer speed number up? Speaking of buyer speed numbers, Kenny McPeak's got real men violin in here. Under Brian Hernandez Jr., could he pull off another Mystic Dan type run this weekend with real men violin? The answer to me is he can. He's under, it's a, a, men, a son of Mendelssohn. Tap it on the mom's side. All the breeding makes sense. All the connections make sense as well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try Cardinal on top here. The nine horse uh, for Todd Pletcher. I just think in a field that is so spread out as far as its talent, uh, a horse like that can absolutely get out front and just stay out front at a mile and an eighth, especially uh, in this case. All right, I'm Louis Rebeau. We're going to wrap up the show there. This has been the Kentucky Racing Spotlight presented by the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.org. Make sure you check them out for all the membership options and all the great advocacy they're doing over there. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck this weekend.